Hello and welcome to Ask Distract. This is the show where we squeeze the knowledge of Distract members of the team. And this week I'm joined with Craig Jones. So, Craig, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but I did computing at A level. And I, I absolutely didn't know and that. I, and I absolutely tanked it. Oh, right, okay. I did, I did, did not understand it at all. Yeah. But I, I also understand that other people in my class who worked really hard at it, yeah, they did get very good at it, and they and some of them are now still doing it today, even though it was just a random A level choice of theirs. How much does your education help with the work you do now? Uh, I got to be honest, I was in education for quite a long time, and for some people, I think it worked, but for my degree, it didn't. In my opinion, like, um. Specifically, my university course was more content than substance. So it was more making sure that you produced something that could be graded as opposed to just understanding it. So they were. it's also because, like, because in programming there's so many languages and environments and just different ways of doing everything. Um, if they were set, if they were, like, just absolutely shooting us with projects like one after the next after the next after the next and they were all in a different language in a different environment doing something else it was sort of like a mad dash to produce something that was gradable as opposed to like understanding why and how it worked which i think was quite it was good to get a surface level knowledge but i feel like with our university course they were expecting you to do all of the coursework do all of the writing and do other stuff and do all the reading outside which was like for me it was impossible like i just couldn't do that so So it was less about thinking of the actual craft of how to design and code websites and more just about fit into fit into the brief that the university gave just cram as much in as possible yeah so you say that you learn multiple different languages Mm -hmm. would you say that's something that's useful or would you say that it's best to like hone in on one um i think it's a good idea to get an understanding about what's different between languages where and why they're used, uh, you know, what's the benefits of one over the other, because they are different, uh, and just sort of understand how and why they work, and more importantly, find one that you like. So more, uh, like, different languages used in different fields. um, One of my friend's friends works in the radiography department of Lincoln Hospital, and a lot of their stuff is done in Python. So if you want to go in and do, like, medical imaging or science-based things, as well as, like, data science, a lot of that is Python. If you want to get into writing like microcontroller firmware or really low level stuff or games, then you can do C++. So I feel like it's good to get, it, I feel like it's, it's good to get an idea of the different languages, but it probably would have helped if like in the second year they were like, okay, this is the one language we're going to use for the next two years or just give you the choice. I know my friend who went to Nottingham University, they did that, but they let you choose the language. So and like this could this could come across as a really stupid question, mm-hmm. but why are there so many different languages in computing? Um so there's different I mean at the end of the day they they all compile down essentially to machine code. Like uh, all it is is different ways of going about different things. So if you imagine uh, like a plumber's toolkit is not going to be the same as an electrician's. An electrician's cool toolkit is not going to be the same as a plasterer's. It's the same thing. Uh, different languages exist to solve different problems. And they also, way, way, way back in the day, 
different languages ran on different computers. So you would have, for, like in the 80s, you would have like five different computers and they would all have various different languages just for their computer. So it's, it's sort of like, these days that's not so much of a problem because pretty much everything runs everywhere. Uh, but like the languages help you solve different problems because of how they are made. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, yeah, it does, yeah. yeah. So what made you like want to do web design and coding like was it yeah. was it anything particular or did you just fall into it uh i have wanted to do this since i was about seven years old oh amazing yes <laughs> yeah it all it came down from um i i've always been into video games always like my entire life and there's a magazine called edge and i remember walking around asda with my dad and my dad just saw it and bought me it uh literally when i was like seven eight years old and was, it, was this for the first time? For the first time. And there was an interview with someone who worked on Mario 64. And they were talking about how it was built. And that's when it dawned on me that, like, I, I literally remember the brainwave of, like, video games don't just pop out of thin air. They're made by people. And, uh, and then it was the whole uh, realizing that I could make games. Now, unfortunately, as I got older, I fell out of love with making games and more in love with just programming in itself. Uh, and th that's a whole other story, but I don't really, <laughs> the, the, the want to get into the games industry died, but the want to program stayed. So, so it's almost like an evolution over time. It's like you realize what your skills were and yes, what your craft yeah. was. Yeah. And, and do you do much of that outside of work? Because I know that obviously a nine to five job, mm -hmm. I know that there's some, there's some people that decide, right, my, my job is nine to five and I go home and do other things. Yes. Yeah. And then there are some people that do decide to no, this is yeah. my passion. So I do it. I do it quite a lot outside of work. Uh, I fit in where I can, but it's mostly because um, I like to make other things outside of work. So a lot of this is like web focused when I've always got to be building stuff for clients or solving problems, for marketing or building things that solve problems for the business. It's nice to sit down and work on something that I want to make. Um, it's nice also to use languages and stuff that like, uh, I don't get to use at work just because it broadens my horizons but also uh, I find some more enjoyable than the ones we use at work so I like to work in them in my free time I also have a few friends that program and like if we've got an hour or two we'll just do something together we'll just sit down and build something small so and, I, and is that website still like you do at work or is it things like little games and um, it's mostly like at the moment it's like back-end web services okay so uh, building building things that run on servers that essentially would like feed the front end. So I've been learning more and doing more back end stuff um, outside of work just because I find it more fun and like systems design, essentially learning why and how you build things for specific reasons and stuff like building on what I learned at university essentially and just going like it's been, I left university a long time ago, but there's always stuff to learn. That's the thing. It's like an infinitely long rabbit yeah. hole. Like there's, People, you, I can program until I'm 60 years old in the same language, and I'll still be learning some things. Like it's because well, it's, it's constantly changing, it's evolving, constantly changing, and there's new things. Yeah. And there's always ways that you can do things new, or you can. There's new stuff to learn. So yeah. Well, and, and with every increment of that, you've got clients that are expecting you to be able to do it. So you've got yes. to keep in tune with it to yeah. be able to actually show what they want. And also, as I expand my skill set, it helps at work. So the more I, the more I learn, the better. It doesn't really matter in which way I go, there's always going to be a use for something that I learn. Yeah. So, yeah, I do quite a lot outside of work, but it's, I find it sometimes relaxing just to be able to sit there and it like gives me something to concentrate on. And But it is, I, I 
I have to not be tired, pretty much. If, like, sometimes you, you go to work and everyone knows what work's like, and it's like, I get home and I just lay on the sofa. <laughs> well, I think when you're tired, you just end up making mistakes. I know yeah. like, I know how it was back in the day. You'd try, like, you'd be typing out some code, then you'd go to, like, press enter to play it, and it'd be like, nah, something's wrong. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you what, but something's wrong. Yeah, you got to figure it out. Yeah, and if you're yeah. too tired, you're not going to pay attention to it, and you're going to read for it and go, no, that's all fine. What's yep. <laughs> you just missed, like, yeah. the other day I, I spent half an hour looking for something just because I missed a letter. And it was like, it was throwing an error. And like, if I wasn't as tired, like if I had just left it and come back the next day, I'd have seen it straight away. But because I was so tired and it was like 10 o'clock at night and I was just staring at it. And it's like, I was looking, but I wasn't seeing if you know. Your brain's seeing what it wants to see, which is the code perfectly nice and neat and working. Yeah. And even though it was telling me what was wrong, I still couldn't find it for some reason. So it's it's a masochist hobby in some ways. Yeah. So how long does it take? Like if you get a client in through the door, Mm -hmm. generically, obviously I know that each website is bespoke how yes. long does it take uh per project or to get good enough to do it uh per project we'll go per for. project so generally at distract we separate our projects out into two bases. you have service-based websites and e-commerce websites which is what we we do service-based websites are essentially just knowledge knowledge presented pretty like, and, and gives them a way to contact them or something like that mm-hmm. generally unless they have like tons and tons of information like we have had some service-based websites that are just immensely huge like they're companies that just have rafters and rafters of information and they want things presented in specific ways and like essentially each page that's laid out differently is a template and each template might have to be built separately so like the largest website i've built had 26 templates wow and that was a service-based website and that had a ton of other stuff in it along with like data entry and the ability to store documents for their um, like board members and things for customers that have used their business before to log in and get extra resources and stuff like that. So that's technically not a um, e-commerce site, but it did take a long time. That took like two months, I think, to build. Other sites, I've turned around in like three days. Like we've had one that was like, we've had one that was one template and it had a lot of stuff going on, but it was still just a. a and by page. one template, you mean do you mean just one page with information? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that took three days. Yeah. And it's just. So. And I know that there's a lot of clients that they come to us because they don't know how to make their own websites, obviously. Mm-hmm. So how do you let them know how long a project's going to take without them going? I thought this took a week. How come it's going to yeah. take two months? It's strange because a lot of people, I think, get into programming thinking they're going to get shut in a cupboard and left alone in the dark. And it's going to be like, just I'll get to sit here and just do my thing or day in, day out. That's not how it is at all. It's amazing how important like soft skills are. Um, I found that one of the key things that like that's helped me is I've, I've always been pretty good with soft skills. So I'm quite, I feel, I'm good at like communicating to clients and stuff like that. But I know other people who have struggled with that. Um, I think it comes down to being able to translate like project requirements and needs into like into words that the client would understand. Essentially, it's quite difficult to take something that's highly technical and present it in a way that's understandable to someone who has not the first clue. Yeah, uh, but that's quite a good skill to have. And most of the time, is you know, you're always learning. It's, it's, it's so long as you, like, it helps if they come to you with trust, I think. 
so long as they come and they trust what you're saying, then you can be like, I estimate that it'll take this long, and then three weeks into the project, you can hit something that you didn't see, and it's going to add another two, three weeks, and you're going to have to call them up and just say, look, we're really sorry, we know you wanted it quick, but we thought this worked like that, it turns out it doesn't, it's going to have to take a little bit longer for us to do all this, and so long as so long as you can present it in a way that they can understand, it's usually fine. From my perspective of that, it sounds like it can get a bit sketchy sometimes, because if you simplify your work, you can almost make it sound easy. So if you go, yes. oh, we'll just put this button on here, mm-hmm. and the client will go, okay, they're going to put that button on there. Mm-hmm. That button could take days to code and put together. Depending on what it does. Yeah, it can and take the, but, but yeah. all they hear is, we're going to put a button on here. Yes. So yeah. they, they, don't, they have no idea about yeah. the time frame of building things yeah. like that. So I suppose, yeah, it's quite... I think the word just is the enemy of developers. The amount of people who go, can you just? And you're like... No, because like, I can understand why, to some people, one thing that seems incredibly technical can take five minutes, and one thing that seems very straightforward can take three hours, and it's like, I know, it's like tr- being able to relate that to someone. A lot of times, though, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to seem, it's going to seem hard for people to understand, and they also sort of doubt why it's like that, but there's nothing really you can do yeah. about that. So it's just, when, but when someone comes in, it's like, can you just? And you're like, well, you know, I hate, I feel like people who do development are always saying no. But that's because of the, like, uh, disparity between what people know and what people understand on either side of that conversation. Yeah, and I suppose, so. and I suppose every single can you just do this, whether, mm-hmm. whether, whether it does take five minutes or three hours, mm-hmm. if you get 10 of those, you've added days onto your work project. Yeah, and we already have work that's planned in for months in advance. So. Yeah. Can you just or like putting out fires can knock the whole schedule out? Yeah. So you do both front and back end at Distract, mm-hmm. don't you? With, yes. with your own websites. Yes. Yeah. What's the difference? Which do you prefer? Which could yes. be a controversial question. Could be. And yeah, just explain a little bit about okay. what the difference is between the two. So it comes down to how websites work essentially. If you if you simplify it massively, you have a server and you have a client. So the website is usually stored on the server. The client is like your phone browser or Chrome or something like that. So when you like the when you request a website, it sends a message to the server. The server sends the website back. This is incredibly simplified. But the web the server sends the website back and runs whatever it needs to do. If you send a request for a specific thing, it will build that page and it will send it to you and then your browser presents it. So front end essentially does all of the work that is needed to present that website in the browser so you will style things you'll build the the templates you can uh especially these days with like javascript and react um you can build the whole reactive front end in ways that like it can be fed data from a server and it can live update so you can build like analytics dashboards and stuff like that um but essentially if you boil it down to the very basics front end is like the presentation layer is the view so it's what you see mm-hmm. and how it works and what you interact with back end is like the business logic side of things so if you um say you build an app and you can feed it in a spreadsheet and this spreadsheet is just full of random numbers and whatever but it returns like an ordered list of those numbers the server is the back end the server is the thing that will go through order those numbers and send them back to you i've been doing front end mostly since I left university, with a little bit of back end, I'm beginning to dislike front end. 
<laughs> I like to do backend stuff now, really. Is it for any particular reason? Um, I feel like front end's good, but it's got a pretty low skill ceiling. Uh, and like I hit that skill ceiling pretty fast, and then I got good at it, and now I feel like I'm going nowhere. Oh, what? So it's almost it's quicker to learn. Takes a bit of time to get very very good at, but then yeah. once you hit a level. Apart from the developments you make over time, like you say, with everything changing, yeah, yeah. there's not too much more you there's can do There's not too it. much. And, like, the problem with front-end at the moment is that I'm not a fan of where it's headed. So Facebook made something called React. React has become incredibly popular. I can understand why it's used, but it's, it's built in a language that I don't like, which is JavaScript. And they move incredibly fast, but they also remove functionality. So I spent, like... A couple weekends learning react and then built some things and like just made sure i understand how it worked six months later i went to use the latest version of react and what i'd learned was irrelevant because they'd removed it wow now so that is next level like adaptation yeah but it, i feel like these days if you want to stay on top of everything that's on the front end it is incredibly exhausting but it's also a lot of reinventing the wheel I personally don't understand why you need to chase all this new stuff. And it's not like you're getting smarter. You're just learning different wheels, essentially. You're not getting better at something. You're just learning different ways to do it. Um, I suppose on top of that as well, it's why why remove those features from before instead of just implementing the new ones and doing them in a slightly different way. Because they said it's better. Yeah. If, I feel like if you can make it work, what's the... Any, there's a whole, uh, there's a rant there that could go on for hours, <laughs> but I I dislike the churn, like the, the churn and burn of knowledge gained and then it, that becomes irrelevant. On the back end, less so. There's things that, are, there was things that were established in the 90s that are still relevant. Some like, like I'm learning a language called Java and I'm in love with Java. There's things in there, like you can go and Google something and you can get an answer from like 2003 and it's still relevant. It's things it's a lot of concrete foundations and so long as you understand the foundations you can build other things now the surface layer stuff might change but the things that you need to know at the at, at the, the, base, at the, the basis core, yeah. stays the same as opposed to front end where it just becomes irrelevant really quick now i like the fact that i can just spend time on one thing and i can get really good at this one thing but only really because i've already done it on front end like i already know this stuff over here so like now i'm getting better at this stuff over here i think which is where i'm at at the moment getting into the field of web development mm -hmm. web design after doing your degree would you say it's needed or can you learn at home and progress uh i personally feel like it depends there's a lot of variables that come into play and it depends a lot on what you want to do now if you want to be a front-end developer you can learn that in your own time like realistically it's going to take you a while because some things, I found some things that came naturally to me, other people have really struggled with, and some things that I've struggled with has come naturally to other people. It just depends how your brain works. But you can grasp what you need in a, in like probably six to nine months. Like you, you've, it's more because you need to learn, understand, and produce. You need to create a portfolio. <clears throat> you need to make sure that you can, especially because a lot of studios expect you to come and hit the ground running. You need to be able to show that you can pass an interview when they ask you technical questions and you need to have a little portfolio of like, here's proof that I've already built this and have your code somewhere so they can go and see how you've done it. If you want to get into something that's highly technical, like, well, literally anything, if you want something that pays 
like good bang for buck, you're going to need to go to university, I think. But make sure you choose a good university. I feel like a lot of people these days are doing like computer science courses, but they're ran by people who are teaching things like ten year, like relevant 10 years ago because of how education works and the world moves so fast and stuff like that. So it's my cousin has just got a job doing uh, data science for a finance company. I feel like he probably needed to go to like it was his dissertation project that got him the job. So he definitely needed to go to university for that. But because computing is such a broad field, I feel like there's always going to be jobs that meet your requirements. If you only want to learn enough to get a, like without sounding facetious, like a low tier job, then you you can do it by yourself. If you want to get something that's like mega books and a big company, you're probably going to have to go to university. So, You touched on interviews there as well, and it's something that I find really interesting because mm-hmm. I feel like with a lot of interviews for jobs, you go in, you present yourself, mm-hmm. you you give them your work experience. Yeah. Whereas things like computing, you've almost got to prove it whilst you're there. Yeah, definitely. You, yeah. you bring in like, in fact, in media, you've got show reels. Like you can show people your kind of work you've done before. Whereas in computing, you show people like, this is work that I've done before. Look, look how this works and how yes, technical yeah, yeah. it is. Like it's yeah. really it's really interesting to me how. Yeah. How much more? How much more depth there is with interviews with computer science? Computer science, like when you get into programming interviews, especially if you go somewhere that is, like, has a reasonable barrier to entry. Um, usually on the CVs, they have like a list of things they want you to know, so they don't, they don't expect you to know them all. But this is getting technical now. But like, say say you go for a, um, an interview in like a lower level language, they're gonna they'll ask you things like do you understand the language? Do you know how it works as its basics? They'll ask you, like, um, do you understand, like, how data structures works, algorithms, sorting, like, just sorting algorithms, all the other things like that. Then they'll, then they can ask you, like, your prior history, what you've done before, but there's usually always a test or a quiz. Now, it, it can get pretty in-depth because I know even my friends who have worked, who work at another company in Lincoln, um, they, they build a big software system and to get into that place, you have to send in a CV, they send you a test before you get an interview, so you have to pass that test. Then you go to the interview and you get in, like you get a technical interview. So they sit you down and they ask you all these questions. They don't expect you to pass them all, but sometimes they will ha- even have a whiteboard or some paper and they'll go like, write out your solution. So you don't get a computer, they just tell you to write it out and explain why you've done that. And in some places in particular, there can be two more interviews after that. Specifically, if you want to work at Facebook, that you can have four interviews. So you can have like you can have a phone interview, like a video conference interview, an in-person interview, and then maybe another interview. Just because they want to make sure that you are up to speed on everything that you know. So it's quite hard to like fake it till you make it with things like computers. You literally can't get in. You literally can't get a job in tech unless you can prove it. Pretty much, like if you if you went into a place and was like all confident and the big I am, but then they ask you like, okay, well, what does X mean? And then you don't know. That's uh, They can immediately just be like, please leave. <laughs> like you just can't. It's sort of why I like it as well, because if you can pass all that, then you know that you're good at it, essentially. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite a good, the thing with tech that I like is there's like a, a, a skill level that you can go up and you can get you can essentially like validate your skills as you're going up so it's 
That's quite good. But can you take the time to learn something really technical that is technically a skill level up here mm-hmm. when actually your skill level's here? Yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. It's giving you the self the time. Like, and I find it also helps if you have people who understand these things that you're trying to learn. Um, so, like, I have friends that are less experienced than me. I have friends that are way older and way more experienced than me. And it helps if you have, like, a little community group. So I've been, I like, I'm always learning, but I've been learning stuff that's, like, say where I am here, I've been learning things that are, like, up here. But only because I have a good friend that can teach me all that stuff. So it's important, like I said, to set expectations. Like, I mean, for me to go from there to there is going to take months and has already taken months to inch my way up because of the ludicrous amount of stuff that you need to know. But then it's almost like uh, the higher up you get, the easier it gets, if you know what I mean. So, like, the more you learn and the better you get, the easier it gets to get better. So, it gets, it, at the bottom, it can seem daunting. But the further up you get, it starts to, you start to snowball and you can keep on going. So, yeah, you can teach yourself, but it's important to have, like, expectations. Like, I, I use a lot of, like, online courses and YouTube videos and talk to my friends and read all these articles and stuff like that. But I'm not foolish enough to think I'll learn it in two weeks. Like, it's literally, like, three to six months. So you're talking like, I might be good at this thing next year. That's a realistic expectation. If you've got any questions, make sure to hit us up on Instagram at distracthq and we will see you next week.